Welcome to another episode of No Investment Advice. We got Jack Butcher in the place in a new location. What's happening, dude? Yo, Jack, where are you? Tell the audience where you are right now. Where are you? Miami, Bitcoin week, on the ground reporting. <laughs> NIA. Did you bring the media pass? Yo, NIA and MIA. Come on, bro. How are you yeah, going to miss yourself? How did I miss it? Um, um, go we we want to hear from that. And then we also got Trung Fan, right at the hustle, regular on CNBC, fresh mm. off the circuit. So CNBC. Oh, no, you but guys, we need to talk about this. You know how you speak things into existence? We literally <laughs> spoke. Doing- me becoming a regular on CNBC to existence. So for those that are counting me, that's three times now. I'm going back on tonight. So four times on CNBC, which all started as a joke. And uh, no, it's funny, man. It, you you just put it out there as a massive kind of meme joke. And you get people to laugh about how you get you will never get asked back on. And then when you get asked back on, it, everybody gets to be in on the joke. And I wore a fucking Tommy Bahama shirt yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I can tell you this. I'm the first Vietnamese North American to ever wear a Tommy Bahama shirt on CNBC. That is one of one. <laughs> Someone needs to NFT that. That has never happened before. Yo, actually, I've been thinking about this. I don't want to. I don't want to pump my tires too much, but I'm gonna do it. There's a hundred percent chance I'm the only Vietnamese American that's been on CNBC and on the middle class fancy Instagram feed, the meme feed. So I've Wait, the, I haven't seen this. Wait, what Bro, was the middle class fancy? You got share the screen. The, uh, that, that's part of the shithead Steve uh, meme network. Those guys do that funny. They're doing things media. It's got like three million followers. I did the stupid at the, the can opener meme. I did anyway. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Guys, right. I'm just trying to demonstrate versatility here. NIA is all about versatility. <laughs> all right, so you're going on tomorrow, Jack. What's going on, Miami? You just literally got there. And I, first of all, for people who are listening, you got we got to say big up Jack because he's brought his mic with him. Look at look at the setup mm. right now. We yeah, got it, like I got pulled like over by def- the TSA for this. <laughs> yeah. Wait, are you showing serious? The, showing the mixer. Yeah, yeah. Showing the mixer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look. Check it out. Yo, if you're listening to this audio, Jack has like some like rap rapper studio equipment (laughs) that he brought. I mean, dude, honestly, how much is that mic and how much is the mixer? So I bought this uh, for a car commercial I was recording in 2019. It's just like left in the cupboard, and I took a picture of all this (laughs) stuff on and posted on Twitter. I was like, does anybody know if I? can make any of this stuff work for a podcast this is like 2500 bucks worth of gear these oh, oh that's God. amazing i don't but was it worth it for, for your did you uh, did the car commercial didn't even use it didn't, didn't, use, it. didn't use it, it? No, damn no. dude yeah all right fair yeah. enough well at least we get to use it now right, just, Jack, what's the temperature in miami like what not not literally weather temperature but like what's going on on the ground like <laughs> Because it's crazy on Twitter for people following. Like, there's there's man stuff already popping. Okay, let's have Jack walk us. Like, okay, so Jack, can you actually walk us through a couple things? I want to get to the minutia of what's going on here. First of all, you need to talk the listeners through how you convinced your wife uh, that you just you guys just had a kid. The kid's less than four months old to leave to go to Miami, where presumably you're going to be doing some Miami related stuff. And so, how did you convince her? (laughs) Yeah, like, yeah I want to know. I want to hear this for the jugular. And we should actually get Celia on the podcast next episode to talk about how awful the three days it was for her while you were gone. Because I have a story with my wife when I bounced when we had a newborn. She was not happy. So by, why don't you tell us? By the way, real quick, I have to say, Celia is probably watching this. So uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. She will up. be. She will be. Okay, uh, so Jack, talk it through. 
Well, it's work, man. It's work, <laughs> land of opportunity, the magic city. Lots of opportunities happening here at the moment. Uh, no, there's there's been like I was on the fence about it for a long time. Got a bunch of messages from people that have been either like loosely working with or like a few of the people that have been in the NFT world reached out. Like going to be in Miami, got uh, you know hosting an event or something else. So an efficient way to meet a couple dozen people in a couple of days rather than uh, spread it all out. That was my so you frame, it, you frame it as work. Like it. it is work. You frame okay, it okay. as work. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but we need to, hold on. I want to tell you, uh, listen, a lot of listeners are presumably in relationships and they're going to get a kick out of the, the negotiations that go on here. So you know in a relationship you have, it's like the street fighter bars, right? Each each fighter has a bar of health, right? And then every time you make an ass like this, that bar goes down. Like, you know, I know you're calculating in your head. You're like, fuck, this is a massive ask. This is an expensive <laughs> ask. You know that someday down the road, you're going to have to pay this ass back. I'm not saying that this is necessarily your relationship. Anybody that's in a relationship knows when you make an ass like this, you're going to be gone for three or four days and then leaving a newborn with just one of the parents. <laughs> Bro, that's a big ask. Yeah, did this go through your head? I mean, maybe not as cynically as that, but yeah, it's definitely... <laughs> Yeah, I definitely recognize the the uh, the debt that I have created for sure. Well, actually, that's not true because there is no debt. You guys are in a relationship together. You are life partners. This is just you're you're holding each other up. Is the is the real way to look at it? Well, yeah, debt is a cynical word to use. I would say like she will deserve a break after this. That's yes, a fair way to say. Absolutely. It. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I'm not saying that in my relationship there's a number counter of how many days that we've left the other person with the kid. <laughs> There's a number counter <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on the fridge. Yeah. It's What's your first, fridge. when did you do it first strong? How old was it? Uh, it was eight months. Uh, my, my kid was eight months old. Um, so this is a longer story, but I went to uh, Japan. We'll just tease people. Uh, my great grandfather is just a fucking total savage. He was a anti French nationalist. And one of the th things he did in the early 1900s is he went to Japan to literally try to secure weapons because Japan was the rising power in Asia. And he wanted to help uh, get the Japanese help to overthrow the French in Vietnam. Uh, ended up never happening uh, with the Japanese because it turns out that Japan just wanted to take over Asia for itself. History, <laughs> and, uh, history Professor Trung is yeah, back. <laughs> but the reason I went to Japan was, and the reason why I convinced my wife that it was okay to go. It was a, it was a hundredth year anniversary of my great grandfather going to Japan. He had, a, he essentially established like modern day relations between Vietnam and Japan. So it was like a big ceremony. We ended up visiting the emperor's palace. It's a fucking story, bro. So, uh, uh, we can get into that another time, but that, you know, it wasn't the work side. It was more the, I had to play the, you know, like to my wife, I'm like, this is history. <laughs> you gotta uh, let me do almost, history. Right? Yeah. Almost as historically, Relevant as Bitcoin week in my <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, Dude, you have two cards. You have the work and history card. I only <laughs> have the history card. All right, so now the Wikipedia page for yeah. uh, for that part of the granddad's Wikipedia page. All right, all right so, boys. So, so real, real talk though, Jack, all jokes aside. So you're going to meet people there. For people who aren't following this, like what's actually happening in, in Miami this week? So there's a... I don't actually know the official agenda, but I think there's a two-day conference, Friday, Saturday, which has like um, 
think Saylor is speaking at it. Uh, Nick Zabo, like a lot of like Bitcoin OGs. And uh, Floyd Mayweather, I think, just got on the bill there. <laughs> There's also like, a amazing. ton of projects with like, uh, you know, people launching uh, CityCoin. Did you hear about that yesterday? So this is new project um, where like, if I could go into a, a bunch of depth about the technology, but basically a lot of projects wait for this week to come and announce it with the critical mass, the crowd, the, you know, the ability to... It's like demo day at YC, right? Yeah, it's like like, demo I was thinking like South by Southwest, but for like crypto, yeah. Bitcoin. You so what's CityCoin? At one point. What's CityCoin? Yeah, what is CityCoin? So CityCoin is built on, I may get some technical details wrong, but CityCoin is built on Bitcoin. And there's this protocol that sits on top of Bitcoin called Stacks, which makes Bitcoin programmable. And in the same way that like Ethereum has this like much more malleable code structure to like spin up new coins city coin the first one they're launching is miami and you're going to be able to stake city coin to get yield and 30 percent of that yield goes to the city of miami treasury and the thought behind the project is at a certain point that reaches critical reaches critical mass and they actually like pick that up and spend it so if you're in san francisco and you like the the future outlook of Miami, you can bet some capital on the future of Miami. Yo, man, uh, Suarez. Man, Suarez. Yeah, man, Suarez really pulling it out there. That's sick. You no, know, that's I, I didn't smart, know right? Because uh, we've been obviously talking about Ethereum a lot. You guys talked about how you got into it and the rationales behind it. So its big calling card against Bitcoin is it's still it's a computer, right? It's mm -hmm. like Turing complete. You can do anything. But now the stacks thing is pretty genius if it can actually work. Although it sounds like to me that if you... It sounds like the whole point of Bitcoin is that you shouldn't even really be able to do something like this or, or because it feels like it would take away from, you know, the real immutability of, of Bitcoin. I don't know if that's true, but it feels like one reason why Bitcoin is so uh, uh, thought of and, and perceived as a store of value is you can't fuck around with it, right? Yeah, There's yeah, nothing yeah. else you can do with it. And that's a signs of value. Yeah, I think the the thesis that I've heard is like, this is, you know, this is like the the base layer of the monetary system is Bitcoin. And then if these compatible layers are built on top, um, built like this Stacks project, I think has been around for a few years now and it began with apps. So like apps built on top of Bitcoin. And now I think with the way the market is behaving, it's like these apps kind of just become these little currencies themselves so it's like you want to invest in something that has like a new incentive structure so i think um yeah i think it'll be interesting suarez i don't th think he's officially involved in it but he retweeted it and he's pushing it so it's in his, like, his be, treasury his treasury is about to be involved in it <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty fascinating to think like i don't know what the ramifications are of like a city accepting that or how they would spend it but right it also you know the the way that money could be deployed could also be, there could be some innovative stuff done there, right? Where people vote on, you vote with your dollars for how you want people, you want it to be reinvested in the community. So it should be, be interesting to see. Miami's first and I believe San Francisco's next. There might be some little mimetic warfare going on there too. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. Isn't it crazy? Because 
I don't know a lot about this, but I know biology friend of the podcast, AK, we're fans of him on this podcast. He t- he's talked a lot about um, startup cities and uh, I, don't, I right. haven't even read the full post. I, I bet Trung's probably read it already, but um, like this feels like it has some overlap with that potentially. Like, I don't, do, do any of you know what that is? He's and involved like, in this too. Oh, so check out the coin. He's a... Uh, not sure whether he's an investor or a supporter. I don't want to assign any specific language, but his face yeah. is on the website. Okay, <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> okay, you know what? We should actually. Uh, I feel like we we need to do a proper deep dive on City Coin. So why don't we just leave that, uh, and then we'll we'll come back to the listeners in can, future episodes with more thoughts. I could get the guy that runs it on in a few weeks. That would be amazing. Cool. That's better. perfect. All right, yeah, oh, so. More, more from Jack. What else is going on, man? Have you yeah. seen Vitalik? Uh, are you looking yeah, forward saw, to meeting him? I saw some selfies with Vitalik already. Yeah, is he, is he on the menu? Or is, just, he on the, is he on the I agenda? Just, I rushed straight from the airport to the NIA recording desk, boys. I haven't seen anything <laughs> yet. But I'll be reporting in. Next week, I'll give you a little breakdown of well, what Tell us about the uh, Uber drive. Or how was it going? How did the Uber to the hotel work out? It's not crypto related at all. It was just a very crude conversation from... <laughs> When you get in there, you sit in the back seat. I don't, it's really interesting, I think, how people judge. Like, I must be the type of person or I must look like the type of person that someone's comfortable saying something like <laughs> profane to just instantly, which is just an interesting thing to think about. It was just, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, I don't even know if I want to repeat half of the stuff you yeah, said about public <laughs> consumption. Yeah, it's, pretty, enough, man. it's just, yeah, it's just, you're, it's a different culture, mate. Let's just put it that way. Is this your first time in Miami? No. Okay. <laughs> that no was said with a lot of oomph. It was yeah. like, no, I've been living live in 2009 and 2012. Like, I know where I'm going tonight. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Last thing, Jack, any interesting people you're meeting there without like, I mean, I'm asking you to name drop, but I'm curious, uh, people that we know or if like you're, you're doing a recording with uh, Sam Pa Sean for the My First Million pod, I think, right? Tomorrow, Live. I think so, yeah. Um, I'm going to this thing, do you know DJ Premier? Yeah. Oh my God, yeah, Gangstar. Yeah, he's performing at this NFT thing tonight oh, with sick. a couple of dudes who I met through just messing around in the NFT space. Um, Unreal. A couple of big like Twitter, like Bitcoin account people. Um Lots of VCs that just trying to meet people that are in there. It's work, man. It's work. You're there for work, man. It's work. It's work. It's work. And then what else is going on? Uh, Sam's thing, the city coin thing tomorrow afternoon. Um, Yeah, should be good. So totally when Celia asks you like how everything is, you're not going to mention any of the partying. You're just going to be, oh my God, it's so tiring. Had eight meetings today and just totally bummed. I'm going to have to really, (laughs) I'm going to have to really be calculated about, you know. Yeah. Well, it's going to be one of those things. Consumption and all of these different variables to, to play. Well, you're on, you're in your early 30s now, man. You can't you you can't be doing that that early 20s stuff anymore, man. Don't have the gas that I used to, mate. Yeah. Okay. Okay. In there we go. Waters in between all of that good stuff. All right. All right man, well, well, was good. We got you got you on for the pod to to kick it off, man. So, um, all right. What, where do we want to start, boys? I, I I think we need to share trunks. Think different. Because uh, for people who aren't following Trung on Twitter, this is one of his best ones. Let me see if I can just share my screen real quick here and just play it. And maybe uh, dude, we can do a live reaction to this. Because I'm it's... expecting it to get taken down by Apple. Oh, yeah. My, my, a few people messaged. I shared it in a few like groups I'm in. 
Uh, let me just share my screen one second. And first thing, people are like, okay, yeah, this is getting taken down. All right, where are we? Yeah, but you know uh, what, man? Even if it gets taken down, that's content. <laughs> <laughs> You're pro. Can you guys see my screen? Dude, I'm literally waiting for them to yep. take it down. Man. Oh, yeah, there we go, dude. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry, Misfits. sorry, I messed up. All right. Here's to the crazy ones. <laughs> The this is Steve Jobs actually rebels, narrating it. <laughs> so for those that aren't seeing, this is a, the famous Think Different ad from Steve Jobs and Apple. See things but the original video, they had like Martin Luther King Jr. and, and uh, Gandhi. No respect for the I just put all the meme characters <laughs> from 2021. <laughs> oh my God, dude, this is classic. Oh, uh, that's good, dude. We saw Kathy with that's good enough, man. Is ignore them. Because they changed. All right. Sailor. I don't know if we want to listen to the whole thing, but you no, we don't need idea. to listen to the All whole right. thing. But this is brilliant, man. Good, good work on this. <laughs> so wait, do you guys want to do an over under? Are we okay? Let's do that. Is there a one hundred percent chance I'll be taken down? I don't know if it's a hundred percent. I think ninety five percent because you have the logo in there, right? You have the yeah, logo I do at the end. Oh, so Microsoft. I don't know if I if I was them. I think this is super. It's kind of a funny. I mean, they're getting free impressions, but what's obviously the, they don't really need that. Yeah, they but, don't need that. Well, what's the? Well, here's the question: What are the fair use rules? I mean, I mean, both of you guys work in the space. What are satire is fair use? Parody is fair use, oh, right? Yeah, I, I I haven't I don't know that much about it. Jack's I'm had the fascinated experience. by this. I'm just like really interested in how, like, you could never even propose that in a commercial environment and. Like in a way, you're, I mean, in a way you can argue that it's not a commercial exercise, but in a way you can, right? It's like you're, you have attached to commercial entities. It's just a weird, yeah, yeah. Just a weird thing, man. Like if you went, not, if you, you couldn't broadcast out on CNBC. Yeah, yeah. no, no, no. It just it's... would never, ever happen. Their legal team would, would shit bricks if you even proposed doing that. So, but Twitter for some reason, it's like. Trunks oh, no, getting a little shook. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. I, 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 I'll tell you what. I think, I think there's a chance that uh, because I've I've had DMCA uh, requests. I'm sure a lot of you, everyone has, or a lot of yeah, people yeah, are yeah, listening. Yeah. But like, it'll just be a random ML one, right? Like they'll scrape the website, uh, and they'll just see, hey, you shouldn't be like, you can't just post this Fast and Furious clip without like telling or, or using or linking to it, right? Seriously, right? Is that what you got done for before? No, it was a, it was it was definitely a Hollywood movie where you got DMCA uh, request. Right, it's right. like it's totally automated, and the uh, Twitter locks your account uh, and, and it makes you click through a bunch of things. This one, because it's Apple, I suspect there could be some fuckery involved. You Dude, this is Apple. There's an ad, right? It's like it's different than a movie. It's like it's content that they want people to share in some yeah. odd way. Well, like, that's the yes, other part of it, right? So actually, well, I mean, I, I'm curious. I'll see if I, I, I'm very, very curious to see if they'll take this down or have a request or if I get locked or something. There's a chance that I, I suspect that it could happen. I mean, they probably have a thousand lawyers that their entire job is to do this, right? Like last week we talked about how they had one guy whose entire job was to negotiate glue prices. <laughs> They're going to have one guy watching Trunk's Twitter feed for, <laughs> for the next year. <laughs> All right, well, fair enough. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go to Trunk T Fan if uh, my Twitter account still exists. But uh, it's there. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to some topics. Uh, All right, so let's out. tell people up front because uh, so we're going to probably talk about HSBC Bank being shut down in the US. That's something both Jack and I uh, got emails about. We can talk about that. A little bit about DeFi as it relates to that. 
the creator economy stuff from Jack, housing market, board ape, yacht club update. Uh, we've got a segment for history, professor fan. <laughs> and we've uh, is well it's like recent history but the amazon prime stuff you explained really well a few days ago that was pretty cool and then potentially we'll talk a little bit about merch uh a merch update and mm. uh take it from there but why don't we just start with the hsbc thing jack because this is tangential to the crypto stuff we talk about investing the evolution of the kind of system uh, again not to call out hsbc in particular this is this happens all the time to a certain extent but both Jack and I, I think your first bank here was HSBC too, right? Yeah, yeah. I and have no idea what happened, by the way. I oh. didn't see this. What happened? So, so uh, Jack, do you know what happened? There was an email yeah, from them, right? I have, a, I have a rough idea. I just got an email and I you know, normally ignore all emails from banks that are like, you know, blast out. They've been inviting me to webinars for the last like 18 months. So I don't know why anyone would ever go to an HSBC webinar, but they sent out plenty of invites. Well, there's... I can't remember the subject line of this thing. It was like important update regarding your account or something. I opened it and it's like, just to let you know, we'll be shutting down HSBC in, in the US and your account is going to be to a different bank. Something was to that effect, right? When? when? Like a week ago, maybe? A week ago, they sent this. The and how long week. did they give you guys? They didn't, they didn't give a timeline, I don't think. Yeah. They just announced it's, it. And the account's still open. Like I could go into my online banking and stuff, but yeah, go on, Jack. Finish off the story. And uh, the, the way the news is reported is like HSBC is just shutting down its retail banking operations for anyone or like any business with under doing under five million turnover, I think, and like wealth management clients. So they're just like cleaning house, getting rid of all their retail locations, getting rid of all their retail accounts, and then just keeping like decent sized businesses and I guess um well, I see they're, saying, they're, gonna, they're only gonna keep the wealthy and personal banking businesses. And that, yeah. that, that that makes sense. I thought it was some because I know in the past they've been stopped with multi billion dollar fines for like uh a money laundering for yeah. like yeah. Mexican cartels and fucking the Iranian. Yeah, this is different. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now they're doubling down on that. They're only <laughs> serving those guys. <laughs> That's true, right? They're like, hey man, like this this retail stuff isn't very profitable. Let's this just keep working niche. with the cartels. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's literally what it reads, right? Like they're yeah. like, we will only work with uh high net worth individuals now. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, well, so I, mean, I got this same email too. And Jack and I were texting about this because when we first moved here, a lot of people don't have a social security number, right? And it's quite hard to do anything. You can't like get a bank account. You can't get a, a lease. Like there's a bunch of stuff you can't do. And they were one of the few banks that just let us do it uh, because we they're more like internationally savvy slash you know what? whatever <laughs> now, now the now the cartel story seems to be making yeah. a lot more sense yeah yeah, yeah. hey uh, what is the yeah, source of your income you know what don't even tell me it doesn't even matter 10 million dollars <laughs> sounds great but yeah so anyway they're supposed to be you know the international bank like you see the ads in the airport and everything like that and you know it was it was pretty cool that they let us do that but and again this is just my personal experience like I didn't have a great experience with them and I moved to Chase pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, when this happened, I just kind of reminded me of like how tough it is to do basic banking stuff. Like most of the time I can do stuff on, on the Chase app and it works actually pretty well. But anything like this, I have to call them up. I have to confirm it's me. I have to like, I'm trying to move out some money and, and it's just not straightforward at all. And it was just, yeah, I mean, that kind of came up this week and it kind of is on this backdrop of all this other crazy stuff we've been looking at. 
um, where with a click of a button, you're moving stuff on the blockchain. And I'm not saying the blockchain solves this completely because, the, because like Bitcoin I like Chase Bank. Like I, I don't actually have a problem with Chase, but there's, it, it was just kind of like this timing where I was down this rabbit hole of all this DeFi stuff and yield farming and crazy stuff on YouTube. And then on the flip side, I'm trying to move a couple grand out of an old account. Yeah. And I'm like, why can't I do it's this? It's the easier? friction, right? Let, let, but let's say you have a friction meter from zero to 100. 100 is the most friction, zero is no friction. Yeah. Obviously, you're going to want some friction in the financial industry. Right? That's fair. That's a fair point. No, but I mean like, but they, they definitely turned it way too far to the hundred side. And that's the opportunity for things like DeFi and crypto in general is like, let's bring it back down to like 60 or 50, but like you don't want zero friction or the cartels are going to be running wild. That's true. No, that's a good point. It's uh, a good point. And I think definitely, yeah. I mean, the main thing is security and like, I, I feel secure in both at the moment, but you need to kind of like know a little bit more what you're doing in the wild west of of the blockchain <laughs> uh, whereas a bank like i know i can go across the street and like get cash out it's i mean that's the thing though the, the physical locations that's just yeah that's just trust in your that head right? trust. unless you're in like argentina in 2000 or whatever and yeah, yeah, fair you turn up and you can't take money out which is a, a extreme in case. western and well i wouldn't say western you the same shit's happening in greece or like a lot of uh, eastern europe right um Completely. I guess I, well, although Eastern Europe would be the opposite of Western, so I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> All right, let's um, let's let's boogie so anyway, on. What, we can what, move on, but yeah, was there anything else on that, Jack? Before we before we moved on, I had uh, one other anecdote. I tried to buy something with a an account I held in the UK. I had money in the UK. And I was trying to buy something online with it, and it was a bar of gold bullion. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like, did the did the UK police come to your door? <laughs> no, the, 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 my phone rang instantly. I was like, hello. And uh, they're like, we're putting a lock on your account. And I was like, no, it was me, but here's my details. Whatever. Like, no, no, you have to come to a branch to unlock your account. So I had to Amazing. fly to England. No. Yeah, to get the money out of the account. Oh, my God. Gold Buzz just, Jack's coming out we, right now. We, 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 <laughs> and this was, eight, this was ages ago, but yeah. but it's just kind of a, it's like a perfect anecdote because that's what I was trying to, I was trying to protect well, myself. Well, we need to talk about how you're trying to buy gold bully in eight years. <laughs> Jack's had no faith in the, in the, the legacy financial system. <laughs> Put it under his pillow. <laughs> Sleep under so last week, we just... A couple of, not last week, but two weeks ago, you were talking about how you only started buying Bitcoin in 2017. It's like, bro, it looks like you lost faith in the existing financial system way before 2017. I was reading Zero Hedge when I was, you know, <laughs> 25 or something. I oh saved, my up, God. saved up enough for a, for a buck. No, I'm saying a, not like a, a massive brick, just like a little slide. Yeah, or like a slip, right? Just one you can travel with. Dude, those oh, picks are like worth 50, 60K, right? Like I, yeah. my buddy, he's, uh, his family's in the gold mining biz and they, you go to their apartment and uh, very well-off family and uh, they literally just have a brick in the middle of the hallway, like a display brick. And like, how much is that? It's like, oh, that's 80 grand. Just an 80 grand display brick. Uh, hilarious, man. Yeah, Fuck. that was my, that was my gold. Bitcoin's never replaced in gold, bro. You can't buy that slip. You can't go to a branch and buy that little slip of gold. <laughs> Mate, they both got friction though. The Coinbase seven hundred fifty dollar limit. It's all, oh my god! It's all tough, mate. Oh god! All right, fair enough. Fair tough enough. Life. All right, all right, boys. So next one, Jack. You've tweeted this out recently about the credit economy, and I think we tried to talk about this a few times before, but we didn't have any reference point. Do you remember this? Have I? 
I'll just oh, share the link with you. <laughs> All right. So it, it was oh, yeah, about yeah, the credit yeah, economy yeah, yeah. is the unbundling of value creation. Yeah. So you had some I thoughts mean, on this. So yeah, go for it. Yeah. The, the idea that, um, you know, career economy gets thrown around a lot. Nobody really knows what it stands for, what it means. But I think with the backdrop of like crypto and decentralized autonomous, what is it? Decentralized autonomous organizations, there's uh, Trung's like model of the zero to a hundred. There is the like zero is the like multinational massive corporation. And then a hundred is like 10 anonymous people building some enormous business. Did you guys see the tweet about like Wells Fargo versus Uniswap? I think I forwarded that like ages ago, but Wells Fargo has 20,000 employees. Coinbase has 2000 employees and Uniswap has 20 employees. Dude, how viral did that tweet go? That sounds like a very viral format. Yeah, it's a good format. I think it did well. Um, <laughs> but, but that idea of the uh, the unbundling of a function or a feature being possible now in a Discord channel versus like a multinational corporation is pretty fascinating. So like even your Twitter account, Trung, as an example of like cnbc or any business news channel it just has this massive amount of infrastructure to put on a show 24 hours a day right and there yeah. are there are twitter accounts now the size of yours that have you know probably more engagement than some segments on cnbc i would say right right and it, you just have these like these things that are working and can like kind of on, the, I want to say their last legs. I mean, the, the gold bullion talking a little bit, but the idea <laughs> that, that you can have these really narrow executions of things that are like already working in the old world. And that's like, I think a frame for the creator economy is just unbundling old media. Um, what else was I going to say? Let me pull this tweet. Song. Well, people were talking about how, uh, I mean, there's going to be a guy like Mr. Beast, right? He'll be a billionaire. I mean, he has an actually big infrastructure around himself. I know, I think he has 50 employees. Um, yeah, crazy. Yeah. So, like, crazy. but he's a one man media company, right? And, uh, and he doesn't, to, your, to Jack's point, even if he has 50 employees, how many employees does a Viacom have, right? And this guy will have way more reach than, than Viacom. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like, what, like, he's got 50. Like, what's stopping him from having him 500 or 5,000? Like, right. But the, the point is that the reason that's stopping him is he, it's, he's building it from the ground up. It's not legacy. He realized he doesn't need 500. He can run yeah, it. That's a good point. But, but I guess, the, I guess the, uh, there's still that like critical mass conversation or like your organization gets to a certain size. And then when you have a second layer of management, that's when stuff just starts to go pear-shaped right or oh, that's when yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The, like the efficiency curve starts to level out a little bit and it's just maybe like new iterations of organizations just need less of that to function cuban tweeted about DAOs recently uh maybe we could pull that up on the screen but he said the way you know the way DAOs are functioning it's like, like they're enough potential there to start making corporate scale companies nervous because you can really shift the incentive structure around. Oh, uh, yeah. No, you sent it to us. That, I mean, dude, Cuban is going deep in the crypto yeah, now. Yeah. Is yeah, he, someone's really he, in it. Yeah, is he going to be in Miami? I don't know. Someone tweeted, uh, this is a really interesting thing about uh, 
Ethereum in specifically, but someone like broke down all of the transactions that Mark Cuban's wallet was making. So that like the level of trans tra transparency into like what he believes in is like, it's quite literally like here, this, this is where his money is. So you could, so if you were, yeah. So if you wanted to follow the Mark Cuban playbook, you could be, okay, wow. He's like doing this set of NFTs, right? I don't know if he's in uh, board uh, Ape Yacht Club, which we should talk about uh, for the for the for new listeners. That's a random crypto that uh, that uh, Jack's gone into. Okay, Bilal just pulled up a screen share here of Cuban. Let's read through this. Go ahead, Bilal. Yeah. So Mark Cuban tweeted this. He said the future of corporations could be very different as DAOs take on legacy businesses. It's the ultimate combination of capitalism and prog progressivism. Entrepreneurs that enable DAOs can make dollars. If the community excels at governance, everyone shares an upside trustless can pay like someone unpacked that for me because that's yeah hold on a second let's first of all let, let's just for for law listeners dow stands for decentralized autonomous organization is that correct yeah, yeah. okay yeah so jack can you explain to us what yeah. dow is you're the you're the resident crypto guy here yeah yeah i'm sure i'm yeah, I'm sure a lot of crypto people would wince that I'm the like authority. <laughs> well, on the, between on the three podcast. of us, so you definitely are the authority. <laughs> but the, but like the 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 lens that I look at it through is like my old corporate experience. So in the, in the world of advertising, it's like a super inefficient way to get a message to market. So you know, to do a campaign that's going to get 10 million impressions is going to cost you 20 million bucks and. 2000 people hours and like X number of meetings and this and that. And that's like all the layers of bureaucracy that are making like just inflating that. Right. And the way things have been done versus like a decentralized autonomous organization could be like making memes in a discord channel. And everyone's like, that one's good. We're going to launch that one. And then it goes like they put it in, they put it out to market. They see the performance of it. They can adjust post another one. Uh, it's just, and everyone can share in the upside too. So if I'm a member of a DAO and I have a slice of the ownership, it's way less friction to give someone ownership via a token than it is like via SOC grant and vesting schedule and all this other stuff. So you could probably make the argument that you're not going to start a car company as a DAO overnight, but like media, software, all the things that require a lot less permission feels like there's big arbitrage opportunities in those worlds for like, you know, kids essentially to come and build stuff like Uniswap. Can we, can we actually talk about, uh, you guys are no problem know more about this, but one of the first decentralized autonomous organizations is very controversial, right? It was the Ethereum uh, venture fund where they kind of put all this money into the fund. And this was what caused the split of Ethereum, right? Yeah. Is essentially to set up a, a, a venture fund where it was supposed to be dictated uh, via people that had invested in this DAO. And it was all supposed to be done by code. And it's like, if X amount vote, we're going to invest in this. But it, it looked like somebody, I'm looking at the Wikipedia here. Somebody out. transferred out right. 4 million of the 12 million Ether that was in this decentralized autonomous uh, organization fund. Uh, that's worth 50 million at that time, probably way more now. But that forced uh, basically Vitalik and the Ethereum community to decide, they, they hard forked it, where they said, you know what, we're rewinding this transaction. And that's actually when people say that Ethereum is decentralized, they always go back to, well, what about that time that Vitalik and mm -hmm. a bunch of 
like the original community decide to hard fork uh, uh, what happened with this this DAO that kind of went wild. So I think that was that's probably worth mentioning. If anybody wants to look into the history of yeah. DAOs, that's, that's five example. years ago. So it's probably much, you know, th- th- there was a code, there's an error in how that DAO was written. I'm sure there's been a lot of improvements since, but I know that was a really famous example. Yeah, yeah I think what's I think what's like interesting and weird about it is it doesn't necessarily require these like crypto assets for this stuff to happen. Like, okay, this is interesting. But they're like the, I think they're the instrument that have made people think of it. So you could technically build a DAO with like dollars and Stripe and all of that kind of stuff. But it's like, you don't have the, I guess the tokenomics of it that really, really tightly tie the incentive structures right. together you probably could build that somehow but your point is interesting because it's it's like if ethereum is a dao and then there's a dao built on top of ethereum and then there's a dao built on top of that dao right it's like the rules still like have a ripple effect back to right, their right. origin and um a lot of these a lot of these comments, like when you just refer to an acronym and be like this is going to be the future of everything is is a little uh you know, it's a little lightweight and Come not on, really Cuban. true. Lightweight, lightweight Cuban. No, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm saying that there's, there's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a really interesting distinction to me. It's like, it's, is it the asset class that makes humans work together a certain way or is it the incentive structure? I think it's the incentive structure and um, most of the incentive structure is just, is not necessarily... Um, people will probably not agree with me on this is not necessarily only facilitated by currency X. Does that make sense? Right. There's, there's, there's a, yeah. there's a reputation incentives, right? There's a, there's social mm-hmm. uh, proof incentives. There's other incentives that can be baked into this, right? Yeah. Like, uh, I guess a, I guess the feedback loops and the incentive loops in a DAO that's built on a cryptocurrency are faster than say, working at a even a silicon valley startup that uses you know totally. you have x percent and your shares vest in four years i just want to say there's also the element that we talk about the that you alluded to is the the, the quote unquote decentralized nature of crypto assigns more uh authority and and kind of legitimacy to this type of DAO, right it's like there is no one yeah. that can say that this isn't right it's like it's truly a decentralized hmm. organization because the unit of that we're using as account and, and incentive and payments is itself decentralized. So I think mm. that is actually very important. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think, um, yeah. No, maybe I, should, I don't know how much deeper we want to get into this report. We, yeah, probably want to bring, a, we, we probably want to bring an expert into it, like outside of, outside, of, outside of Jack, who is an expert. But uh, I actually want to drop in one thought about the bureaucracy thing. This is a little bit tangential, but I think it's an interesting topic is uh, I've written, I previously wrote about uh, how Netflix uh, pays top dollar in the Valley. uh, Bilal, you probably know this, right? They pay, like Netflix will pay top dollar for engineers, right? And and the reason they do it is uh, is touching on Jack's point of bureaucracy and how, uh, you know, the bigger an organization gets, the, uh, the more layers there are that can slow an organization down. But so Netflix in 2009 had this really famous PowerPoint presentation about its culture. And like halfway through the deck, uh, they, they, they go through why they pay high performing 
uh, engineers, even ones that may or may not be difficult to work with. They're like, we're willing to pay for top talent, even if it means that we have to quote unquote, man- like, you know, deal with them because it, it, the, the frame they use is this in a, in a, in a physical world industry, say manufacturing, right? The top person in manufacturing, the top, top, top guy can only be maybe 2x or 3x better than an average guy. But in a creative field, which is not physically constrained, uh, such as engineering, uh, um, writing, uh, music, the top guy can be 10 times, 20, 30, 40, 50 times better than the average guy. Yeah, way more leverage. So they're like, uh, and the industry that they're in is obviously technology and creativity and media. And they're like, so they're, this is their challenge. How do we grow Netflix the organization from 100 to 1,000 to 10,000 employees? Uh, and we can't oper- uh, operationalize it, right? Because in, in manufacturing, you can put in processes and that's very good to have, but you can't put in processes in as many processes in a creative industry because that kind of defeats the entire purpose. And the employees that you have will resist and fight back against that. So they're literally looking at it. uh, You probably can't see my hands here, but they're like, you know, as our industry gets more complex, unlike manufacturing, we can't put processes in to solve for that complexity. Mm. What we, the only thing we can do is pay top dollar for talent that, and let them figure it out. But a lot of that talent are going to be fucking assholes, right? They're going to be very difficult to work with, but we're going to deal with it. And and we're going to be so cutthroat about who we let in that door because we can't use like a car manufacturer processes to speed up our industry or make it better. We have to use this kind of a nexus of creativity and we're willing to pay for it. So I just want to talk about that because I thought it was fascinating how they looked at it and it obviously it bored out for them right from from the 2009 when that deck came out and they kind of institutionalized their thinking around it they've, they've grown 10 20 30x right so thought that's super interesting that's a great point well, jack no, can I amazon ask just hire on all their top yeah. engineers yeah <laughs> <laughs> well jack i was gonna ask you because you you ran a lot of like creative teams and like worked in creative field for a long time a little bit different to like coding and drunk i don't know in your previous jobs if you had some similar experience like hiring people but i'm just curious like yeah for you does that kind of sound about right like what what was it like for you because you're you're an agency world which is not doesn't have the margins of a netflix or uh amazon or whatever or doesn't have the scalability anyway right um so uh, i'm curious like but for for advertising it's even more so the case because you you know the creative campaigns come from these moments of brilliance and the the snowball effect with a bunch of really talented people coming together so like how was that when you were trying to hire people and stuff in the past yes it's a it's a really weird game the shops that i worked for majority of the profit came from the least creative work which makes total sense interesting you have you pursue creative work and even take a loss on some clients to attract the whale enterprise stuff that nobody wants to work Uh, on interesting interesting we'll work with like sexy car manufacturer x so that we can get um telecom conglomerate y to come in and do like every banner ad running on every single device across every single you know western nation you get some obscene contract for that and uh it's like really brutal grunt work essentially it's like resizing 
banner ads and stuff. <laughs> oh, like you're and optimizing in the you're, bin. You're, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you're yeah. just getting, you're converting by 0.1% better, right? And you're helping them do it. Yeah. So, and then uh, it's, it's interesting because you, you, like I was really jaded about this when I first got in and nobody like whether you whether people told me and I didn't get it to begin with it's like you don't really understand how the how the creative agency makes money it's like the sexy work does not make us money the sexy work gets us meetings for work that's going to make us money generally yeah. speaking I think there may that's be exceptions to that rule that's but, a great um, point the world that I was in was definitely like you know, you have these beastie contracts that are just like, nobody wants to put that work in their portfolio, but that's the only reason you have a job. <laughs> like literally, I love how you say it. You telecoms and you tell it's like, they, they don't have a creative bone in their entire organization, right? But and they, but they, all they have is cash flow. They literally just have cash flow because they're government mandated like a monopolies, right? And they're just like, they're just like, let's just pay somebody else to do this. That's hilarious. That's a great, but I, I think that's a bigger thing though. Like the sexy companies, to, uh, forget to work for but like, i'm thinking of in media like if you think of a vice again mm -hmm. i don't know all the details vice 10 years ago was this kind of sexy brand doing all this edgy stuff like all the people i knew who worked there most of them didn't love it like they liked yeah, being yeah. a part of vice that and i'm sure they loved some of the work they did um and, and it depends on who you ask obviously but just like the the pay is normally not the best um, and, and they can afford to do that because they're like, well, you work at Vice, you work in this cool place and um, you're going to be able to leverage this brand. So it's a similar thing in the agency world as a whole where you're like, well, we got Ferrari and we got XYZ. Um, but now we've got like BT or whatever, you know. What no, I, mean? I think so, one of the yeah, yeah. I think one of Vice's big contracts was uh, uh, was with Intel actually. But I think it is exactly Neil's Jack's point. These I mean these guys are doing That's where you made the, the craziest non. A fortune 100 friendly content for decades right yeah, yeah, yeah. but then they start crushing it and just they have mind share and they did this whole it was either ibm or intel but they had this really big splash campaign that i don't know if it was effective but it, it hits to jack's point it's the uh the sexy stuff gets you the real money makers which is not sexy interesting yeah. i had no yeah, idea i think uh, maybe um this actually loops back into my uber driver conversation this afternoon he was telling <laughs> me about robert de niro's divorce di divorce <laughs> settlement he apparently has like a 300 grand a month commitment to an ex-wife of his or something. And he's like, I don't know where he's getting this information from. So, you know, maybe completely Green false. But yeah. But he said, um, yeah, he's going to have to do a few more movies now just to like pay the bill. Right. And That's you hilarious. think about the movies that like a lot of these people probably loved producing. I bet don't have a commercial correlation. Like Avengers nine is probably making you like a, just a, a absolutely disgusting amount of money versus like i'm gonna go on broadway and celebrate my love of the craft right even yeah, taking yeah, yeah. a step further like a lot of actors they they right. want to do the play and it's pure and they or a film like or whatever so, you know the top end make money but for like a mediocre ad actor on the curve like they make 50 grand from a commercial right doing it in a day or whatever and they don't want to be like the dude on the cover of like the random fries or whatever or like Fast food chain, oh, but, but like, that's what it. pays the bills. But they'll do it. Yeah, I mean, I would do it too. Well, um, below, so, actually, I yeah, want to turn the tables around on you. Uh, so I, I never hired engineers. Uh, you worked at Google. Tell me about what I just said about Netflix, because Google is obviously one of the people they're competing with to hire this talent. So what did you? I mean, did you observe uh, this engineering talent? How did you? How did you view it? How did you uh, work with them? Uh, and I had some follow-up questions, but I'm curious just to hear from your experience at Google. 
Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, so I'll say it was just my experience, but it was going from January 2010, which is probably very different to today. So when yeah. I started, there were like 18,000 employees. Now there's like 100,000 plus, maybe 150, I don't know. So I think yeah. over time, the, the type of person who's been attracted to that has changed. Um, so that, uh, that's one point. But yeah, overall, the people I work with, were really smart obviously they you know the way they get in they only hire from certain schools in the beginning um and they're very high iq people um but over time what i will say is early on the people that i was working with which weren't engineers mostly th there were a lot of entrepreneurial people and that was something we were all attracted to which now you might not think of that but 10 years ago or 11 years ago, people would think of the 20% project, right? Like you're doing right. a, your core job and then the 20% project was a real thing. I had a bunch of them. They're really like 120% projects because you do them on top of your work. But yeah. you, people like, I think Gmail came out of that and Chrome originally and a bunch of different projects. And even on our side, there's people I know who created little tools that went and scaled to you know the whole company um from that from that era but now i think the people that are attracted to it like i work with startups and obviously have a lot of friends still at google and this is not or a good or a bad thing or like passing judgment but i most of the engineers i know who go to google by now are kind of like well i'm i want more of a safe job i want to yeah I know it's, a total, gonna dude, it's a total yeah. you're, you're you're making two three four hundred thousand a year as an engineer yeah. oh uh, yeah the they're probably making like three to five hundred k with stock-based compensation well here's the best and part the, yeah you don't even do this is the best i just want to add to this, and you tell me whether it's true the best part of being a google engineer now it doesn't fucking matter what you do it, the machine's gonna keep going right no, literally, you could go. Yeah. Imagine being a new hire at Google making 250K. You're not going to be able to wreck this company, right? There's nothing you can, you can yeah. do. But I, I would say that it depends because there's some people who the soul of them gets sucked out of it, you know, and because they right. actually want to do something where they see impact. And at Fair the same enough. time, to be honest about it, there's also people who just like being part of something bigger. Like you can work on stuff there that you can't work on elsewhere because there's, you're literally serving 2 billion people. And if yeah, you're yeah. like someone who loves like infrastructure or security or, you know, even oh, yeah. creating a new product on Android, that is actually pretty cool. Like I saw it go yeah. from 4% to 80% market share. And the people Amazing. who are working on that, they were, they'll never get to work on something like that again. So I think nowadays it gets a bit of a bad rep because people are like, oh, fuck the big company. But there's pros and cons, you know, and there's plenty of people who prefer that life and there's nothing wrong with that. And honestly, there's a lot of people that go to stops and have a terrible time as well. They they get promise options. Uh, oh, yeah, they dude, don't actually start, make much out of it. Start of life is not sexy, man. There's yeah. like... It's, so it just it, completely depends, but yeah. Okay, so I think this is episode two. Uh, so four or five episodes back, Jack, who lives on the edge of the internet. I mean, that's what we should call this podcast, non-investment advice. We live on the edge of the internet. And we refers to Jack. So, <laughs> the royal we. Yeah. <laughs> Jack's been getting into uh, uh, random NFT projects and he pitched us one called Bored Ape Yacht Clubs. It's literally just funny cartoon looking apes. And uh, he says uh, he has a good feeling about this. And Jack, tell us how many thousand percent is it up since you got into it? <laughs> so I, di I didn't get in on, on the ground floor of it, but the you could mint them for 0 0.08 ethereum which is like 200 bucks i think at the time um and that's with ethereum just over two grand and uh a couple of days ago the floor on them so the cheapest one you could buy was one ethereum 
So that's, you know, 10x plus. Um, it's, it's still volatile, but we talked about it a couple of episodes ago. You're starting to see, you know, the same things that influence the AMCs and the GMEs of the world on a smaller scale. You have um, the NFT thing is super interesting because there's a visual component to it and people can attach their identity to it. So I tweeted out about it the other day. It's like loads of people talk about communities on the internet, right? It's like, let's, uh, I'm building a community-based business. And what that means in a lot of cases is like, I have a Twitter account, not really like a, like intrinsically, a, a business that's intrinsically built around a community, but this uh, Board Ape Yacht Club has a, just a ridiculously engaged Discord channel. You're, you know, you can't even keep up with what's going on in there. There's 50 channels. It's just like pinging along all day. How many and people, how many, how many people would that be across the 50 channels? I could switch it up. Uh, probably I, I just look there's 650 online right now I can't even scroll down to where the okay uh, amazing the thing is. but I would say you know thousands of people in this discord and um, you know the right person buys in changes their Twitter profile picture to this thing Cuban. I think these yeah I think these things can definitely you know just like a flavor of the month type thing as well it's like sometimes a new project can come out and completely uh completely dive when you know speculators move elsewhere but these guys have had a good i think a good run and they've got like a bit of critical mass behind the community it seems like it's got some room to run well a big um, one uh, a big one you mentioned i think uh last week with roham the guy from dapper labs ceo of dapper labs he he's yeah, he, he pumped NBA it up there. top shot dude yeah he yeah. pumped it up on twitter which is uh which is always good that's a big one i think a couple of big punk accounts when people who had the crypto punk account switched to oh, to board eight. Oh my god. Which goodness. is a big it's big news in the crypto well, in the NFT world. So speaking of edge of the internet, you guys mentioned something. I, I think I think the edge of the internet stuff excites a lot of our listeners. I've gotten some messages about it. I've also gotten some messages to say to stop doing it. So <laughs> I'm gonna hey. I'm getting a lot of mix. It's like us, right? We tell people it's not investment advice and then we just give investment advice. A lot of mixed messages everywhere. This (laughs) podcast is very full of mixed messages. But uh, you guys mentioned something about .BTC. Can Bilal, was it, it, can can you guys talk about that? I have no idea what this is. This sounds like another edge of internet thing. Oh, my. Jack, can we talk about this yet? Because (laughs) is is this going to get muted? No, We're waiting for so anything to turn up. So go on. Go we on. don't know. We don't know what's going on, but we can talk a little bit about what it is as a project. So you know, you can have a .eth address. Trung, are you familiar with that? Yeah, I saw well, a lot of people like Gary Tan changed it to hit Vitalik right. changed. It. Yeah. So instead of like zero x eight nine five two six five four, when you're trying to send a thing, you just say Trung .eth. Bang! It would send payments or NFTs or whatever else. It's, it's like a like cash a, tag. It's like a cash a vanity tag. domain for yeah. uh, for. Ethereum, this .BTC is the same thing on on the Bitcoin blockchain. And BTC.us was a site to register domains, came out yesterday. And uh, when I saw it, I was like, oh, God, this is like 10 minutes ago, this got tweeted out. Someone sent it to me on Discord. I was like, this is a generational buying opportunity for scarce digital real estate. Right, it's like what what domains don't exist. Like Michael Saylor vibe, yeah, because yeah, Michael yeah. Saylor did this back in the day with with the alarm. email yeah, with the websites. Yeah, he had alarm. Emma. Michael. So I was like, this is my moment. I cancelled my meetings. And I'm bang, <laughs> oh, putting them in. 
<laughs> Yo, we need to have Celia on the next we, episode. Oh, you, you, she will tell a good story because she came in the door and I was like, she brought, um, she brought something in. And I was like, put it, put it down. Get your laptop. Get your laptop. Uh, no, hold on. Double hold up, on. double up the time. Yeah. Before you finish this story, Jack, we need to talk a couple, a couple episodes back. You're talking about board eight yacht clubs. You had like your credit card. You ran up the stairs past <laughs> Celia. You're just like, what are you doing? It's like, I can't talk right now. I got to pay for this board eight yacht club. Forgot my credit card. Yeah, Dude, amazing. So you pull your yet. laptop. Okay, so what happened? Yeah, so I'm looking for like thinking about, okay, what addresses are going to be. Huddle. HODL has got to be number one. I got that was taken. I got twenty one million dot BTC. Well, oh this is all God. TBD because it's all yeah, TBD because we we've just found out that it's one per wallet and the site was broken. So these hundreds of them went through and we all got billed. But I don't think we're going to get any of them. So I told oh Bilal about God. it. Yeah, that's the. And just to play in a picture from my side, real quick, Jack. So not to turn this into uh, a thing, but it was my birthday yesterday. And <laughs> turn it, turn it. Yo, happy birthday! Holy shit, man! Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yo, Bilal, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> Fucking Bilal, not gonna turn this. Hey man, uh, hey guys, sorry, I don't want to turn this into a thing, but uh, <laughs> but, it was my birthday. Yeah, okay, fuck. Well, I was First of all, how old are you? I was, I was how old are you? okay okay yeah, so but, it was your birthday yesterday you're on btc.us tell us what well, this is what i was gonna say because i'm literally about to go out for lunch for my birthday well like a pre-birthday dinner lunch thing right and uh and then what's the name jack messaged me and we're talking about this and i'm like oh come on at least i need to get my name i need to so i jump on and this is the reason i mentioned my birthday was because i'm like i should be out doing stuff but i was like so drawn to this that i'm just like okay now i'm here kanye west.btc oh buy the fucking my dip. god i got a buy the fucking dip. i got btfd uh like crazy like some brooklyn dot btc like a bunch yeah. of these really really good ones and now i sent it to jack this morning my bank statement and it's just all all of the i've been charged <laughs> unbelievable like all of these and none of them are showing up so how much how much were they each or like ballpark only five dollars Oh my years. god! Yeah. This is just so. So now you, this whole thing was just a fucking not not gonna say a scam, be, but we have no idea what's gonna happen. It could be that we only get one, the first one registered, because it does. But the annoying thing was, it didn't tell you, hey, you can only buy one. Like, oh, now you tried the hundred and tenth time. Like, stop doing this. Go eat lunch. That's called that's yeah. called working capital, boys. <laughs> they're, they're gonna hold on to that money they're for a couple. To that. Yeah. They're gonna build a dude. That is fuck, dude, that might be the greatest working capital hack ever. <laughs> no, let me let me put in my cyber working capital joke. What's up? A Cybertruck pre-order level. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. uh, we should talk about the greatest working capital uh, moves ever. Cybertruck or all the Tesla ones where you, you you put down a down payment. One of them. Amazon for its first decade of existence mastered working capital because they could pay their suppliers later than uh, the, 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 the customers paid them. Right. So they had negative working capital. So whoever was, whoever was studying business history launched BTC.us. <laughs> Can I just pull up the fun? The one was my favorite Jack. Do you mind if I mention some of these or is no, it? Go for uh, it. Go for all it. right. My favorite one was peterschiff.btc. <laughs> <laughs> that was i literally laughed out loud i was at lunch and i literally laughed out loud oh, and man. i was like this is too good then we also got jesus and christ stop me to see like there was some pretty good there was some in here that we were going to get a knock from a few people so well, guys, i don't think any of these have gone through i got irs.btc <laughs> 
Okay, let, hold on. Let me let me ask two questions. If you guys can only keep one, is it your own names or do you want some of these ones that won't pop? Like Bilal and Jack. If you can only keep one address, what is it going to be? Oh man, you got to call it. Got to call it. I for had the I had, had mail BTC. <laughs> okay, so which one is it going to be? Jack. Uh, I would one. still have Jack BTC. Okay, what about you, Bilal? Yeah, I'm looking because I honestly I can't even remember half the ones I bought. I, and the only record I have is that I sent them to jack so i had the oil dot btc lagos nigeria <laughs> brooklyn arsenal kanye west like a bunch of these Con- i think kanye is very that was good i would i would just give it to their team yeah, obviously i'm not trying to like sit on that but anyway no i mean i know i also had white house just for jokes but <laughs> anyway uh, hfsp no, that would have been a good one too i don't Oh yeah, yeah. I, I would say the buy the fucking the BTFD was pretty good because like it's Bitcoin related. It might not even be worth the most, but I just like that that phrase. Mm-hmm. And that could easily be if it was just a wallet address like ETH. Um, that's a quite a cool one to have. If it was a domain name, it's actually pretty good as well. But I don't think it was necessarily the most valuable. But I was just saying for fun, probably that one. Okay, so to, to summarize, Jack would do jack.btc. Uh, Bilal mm-hmm. will do by the fucking dip, btfd.btc. Probably. So I actually have a funny uh, domain-related story. I, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, uh, you, know, you know Patrick Mahomes, uh, quarter, the superstar quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, like one of the most marketable athletes in North America, signed a $500 million He's an armball player, yeah? Yeah, he's an armball player. <laughs> his brother became a bit of a TikTok star. His brother's name is uh, Jackson Mahomes. I own jacksonmahomes.com. <laughs> what? That's ridiculous. I, I tried to give it to him. I tried to give it to Jackson, and uh, we even exchanged some messages. Never ended up happening. But uh, if anybody knows Jackson Mahomes, I have your domain. I just want to give it to you, man. Uh, it's all yours. Uh, I'm not going to squat on it. I am squatting on it, but that's not my intention. <laughs> um. But uh, why don't we end on this note, Bilal, 33rd birthday. Okay, why don't you, you know, some of these tweet storms that go really viral? 33 lessons I learned yeah, from 33 I years know. of existence. I know. <laughs> All right. So I want to say two things. I have two questions to wrap up today's episode and in regards for Bilal. Number one is, what did you eat for lunch yesterday and did you get drunk? So two questions. So answer those and then i'll move I on did to the not next get one drunk no i had honestly the lunch was pretty simple because it was a big dinner so the lunch was just a, a sandwich that i had nearby so it wasn't okay, what was the dinner and did, the dinner was there? a burger and a pizza split and oh, like some starters from i don't know your... if you know this place emily in do you know emily uh jack it was there's one in brooklyn and there's one in the west village so i was in the west emily. village one but mm. it's pretty insane. I mean, it's an overpriced burger and pizza. It's like a twenty-nine dollar burger, and uh, so you yeah. only, and I'm guessing since you only got a burger and pizza, you went with your girlfriend and just two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Split okay. it, split it up, and had a slice this morning just before this. What type of the, pizza? For the leftover. What type it of pizza? It was like one of the main ones. It's got like honey on it and like some. Oh, dude, the honey! Stuff. Oh yeah. my! Oh, it's ridiculous. Yo, but I yeah. found out that you could put honey on fucking pizza. <laughs> the Dash. spicy one too, with dude, a kick. Well, we need to rate oh the the, the 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 spicy honey oh my god dude okay hold on i gotta talk about food here uh, so honey on pizza ranks up there with uh have you guys ever had wendy's where you eat the frosty they're like snow they're like ice cream with the french fries it. they advertise it yeah. you can dip french fries in the frosty so that's up there with the honey pizza so anyways that's my tangent that's my tangent but last last question then 
And then Jack, you should pepper him too for a birthday question. You're 33 years old, Bilal. What do you want to accomplish in the next 365 days? Give us one thing. One thing. <laughs> Dude, yeah. Uh, do you know what I love about Trunk? Trunk's like the joke guy on Twitter, but deep down he's this serious guy. Don't make me, yeah, don't <laughs> you make tried me. posting something serious yesterday and people's comments were so funny. Oh my God, dude. This one is hilarious. We got to talk <laughs> about this. I put a, uh, there's six charts that just show the time you spend with various people in your life. So friends, family, coworkers, and then just by yourself. Every chart goes down. Like the older you get, the less time you spend with everything. And then the only chart that goes up is alone and it goes up and to the right. And fuck, since I have so many, we, we together have so many DGen followers, the only the comments go, hey man, how do you invest in that one chart that goes up and to the right? <laughs> <laughs> and the chart is about how you're spending more time alone. And some dude, and then another person relabels the alone chart as Robin Hood. It was so fucking funny, man. Yeah, that one right there. Dude. Oh, hysterical. The older you get, the more time you spend with Robin Hood because you've fucking driven everyone else from your life away. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm hitting you, Blau. Don't, don't think that just because you got to create a lab podcast, I can't hit you with the questions, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> I will hit no, motherfuckers with questions. No, One do you know thing. what I'll have to do? I have to do, now that we've talked about it, I have to write a thread of the 33 lessons I've yes, learned. Yes, you do. Or something like that. And I'll I have to that say, shit. one of the things that I should do more to be fair with two you two are masters of twitter and i um, i don't spend as much time like writing actually stuff on twitter and i should do uh that's something i should probably spend a little bit more time on this year if i'm being honest the next growth hack honestly yeah not even honestly growth app is one thing but honestly it's more like dedicating time to actually write stuff because when i have written like i've written a few you've had some bangers you've had some they've spread pretty well and, and that's good but that's one thing um but honestly it sounds like a bit of a cheesy answer but like i just want to keep doing what i'm doing like i'm i'm actually pretty i've been in quite a happy balance this is probably the most balanced i've been in a long time uh, in terms of time energy work relationships like everything so just getting back to that and then just like being able to enjoy stuff again because the last year was kind of shit you know so yeah. being able to travel I, I think i'll probably do a big three to six month trip again in where, the next, where, where where i don't know maybe in asia i don't know last time Gosh. we did argentina for two months in mexico city for a dude, month and stuff so it, i want to do more of that which will probably come like early next year if if, if that happens so yeah that'll be cool to do and then i want to keep doing like doing stuff that's fun like this and the podcast i do create lab um yeah so i i don't i'm not really like i used to be a big five-year ten-year plan person when i was 18 and now I'm very much like year to year, just in, keep doing what I'm doing. So I love I don't it. I don't have to answer it, but that's kind of the honest truth. No, that's, right now. that's beautiful, man. What about Jack? Do you want to hit him with anything? Or do you want to leave any parting words about how hard you're about to destroy Miami? <laughs> I'm taking it easy. That's on the record. Okay. Okay. So uh, people, you need to listen to next episode. There's a very high. Po- well, actually we got Packy McCormick. The yeah. exceptional writer of the not boring uh, uh, newsletter. Uh, Substack newsletter. Uh, he's here to talk ether, but I feel like we're going to have to have Celia on one of these episodes to talk about <laughs> these, these three, four days. That'd be great, man. <laughs> Live reaction. And the Bitcoin, the BTC addresses, man. I would love to hear what she had to say about that because, yes. 
She's supportive in the moment, but I'd love for you to get to the bottom of it, Shrunk. Shrunk, what we'll do is we'll send, while while Jack's in Miami doing stuff right now, we'll message her separately. Oh, yeah, you know what? We should actually do a separate episode. That would be fucking hysterical. We should do a separate episode of Celia for 10 minutes and just append it. Throw it in, yeah. To to this one. (laughs) Fuck, maybe we should do that, actually. That would be genius, dude. That would be pretty good. Got some ideas here. All right. That's not bad, Um, actually. All right, boys, we'll stay Hold on a second. That's perfect. Let's see if we can pull that off. We'll append it to this one because this one's a little bit shorter. It's one by 120. <laughs> Look at Jack's face. You want to call it now? <laughs> no, no. We want to do it when we need to know the experience after the Miami. Uh, oh, after yeah, yeah, yeah. Four days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been gone. So we might have to hit her up on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. <laughs> All right, dude. That's beautiful. Okay. Amazing, guys. Thank you. All right, boy. That was fun. Was there anything else? Parting words. Jack, enjoy Miami, mate. Happy birthday, uh, Bilal. I, I didn't thanks. have any profound questions to ask you, mate. But that's all but good. Happy birthday, Trung. I just know that Trung's deep down that cheesy guy that he hates on Twitter, but he he has it and he shields it with his jokes. Do you know I how love. fucking agree, hard mate. it is for me to like <laughs> those words to come out of my mouth and like no, dude. I have no problem being sentimental. I just can That's never true. become fortune cookie guy. That's Jack's. I'm not going to Jack's lane. Jack, I'm not coming in your lane, bro. <laughs> Stay away, mate. Stay out. It's crowded. It's All right, crowded. boys. So let's call next week. We can talk about the merch update. I, don't, I think today we might be running a little late, so. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we're all good, guys. That's perfect. All right, let's let's cut it off here. But yeah, we'll have Packy McCormick on next week. Uh, if you're listening to this first time, welcome and subscribe on Spotify, um, Apple, and YouTube. Um, Follow us on Twitter. Share this out. Follow us on Twitter. What's the new handle? NIA Desk, is it? Correct. NIA Desk. Love that. So yeah, follow us on there as well. And then we'll see you next week.